You write the songs that make the whole world sing? I do. I could. Do you want me to? Barry Manilow did not write that song. <laughs> That's disappointing well, to my childhood. Sorry. Welcome to, welcome to Just Over the Fence, <laughs> our monthly podcast where we talk to our friends, neighbors. Hey, little known fact. Yes. When we're on the road, mm-hmm. Harry demands that we have a paper atlas. We do. We have one right here. Why is that? Why do you need that? Oh my gosh. Because I have to see the big picture. I'm a visionary, Matt, listener. Yeah. And so the little tiny picture on my GPS is not, you know, that's point to point. Uh-huh. I need the big expansive, yeah. like the road is no longer there. Where do we go? Yeah. Options. That's how I was raised by Buck. Yeah. I remember sitting in the back seat on family vacations and watching that paper atlas and thinking, okay, we got these little towns and then we'll be to the big town and maybe yeah. we'll stop or something. Right. Right. When's the next snack mm-hmm. stop? Right. And then I remember like an inch was a hundred miles. So I was like, okay, all right. Yeah. So it's still kind of fun to do that. I have to have it. I can't just trust mm-hmm. GPS. Remember when we were in California and Tanner was like, mom, this was quite a few years back. He was first introducing you to the concept of GPS on his iPhone. We yes. didn't have smartphones yet. He did. He did. And he had the GPS and you were... In Los Angeles. Yeah. And he said, and I needed, I was looking at a paper map and he was like, mom, the computer knows more than you do. And right. I just wasn't having it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I'm still a paper gal. Yeah. When we've actually, before we moved to Denver, I'd come out here looking for jobs and i bought a laminated paper map of denver with all the streets so if i had to meet somebody i that's how it's we did funny it. to think about but that's how we did it or germ when um what's that thing called map quest is it map quest yeah yeah when that came out i was like oh okay this is genius i can have my atlas on my right hand when i'm at a stop sign of course not traveling yeah you would never uh <laughs> do any do anything and I can have my point to point, but visible so that I can look at the next three right. targets of mm-hmm. highways that I'm heading towards. There comes that mother trucker again. Yeah. So these maps have brought us to uh, northern Arkansas and Heber Springs. Yes. And we're going to meet up with a music friend here, Charlie White. He's played with a lot of country music legends, currently playing with Winona, Winona Judd. How did you meet him? We met working on a... Uh, country music television show i was playing piano in the house band and he was one of the electric guitar players the joey canyon show joey canyon show and uh charlie is a great man great guitarist and uh, i'm excited to ask him some questions about music and life sounds good but before we get to that harry there's something i wanted to run by (laughs) you and now it's time for Hey Harry! Hey Harry! Is a hot dog a sandwich? No. Absolutely not. No. A hot dog is an experience. Hang on, it is meat it, between it, two pieces. Uh, it's a bun. It's a bun and it's an experience and. It's a whole genre of food in itself. 
from the New York hot dog stand to the Rocky Dogs in Denver, Colorado, Colorado Rockies Stadium to our backyard on the barbecue. I didn't know you felt so passionately about... Well, (laughs) it's part of summertime in America, right? Right. Hot dogs and hamburgers on the grill. So no, it is not a sandwich. Okay. Yeah. We'll accept that. All right. CTAudioProductions.com. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. As always. Charlie White on today's Roadshow Just Over the Fence. Charlie White, you grew up in New York? I did. Western New York, Jamestown, New York is where I was born. What was your first experience with music? Uh, Church choir, probably. Kids, church choir in a Methodist church. Um, Other than hearing the radio and in the car with my parents and family stuff, my grandmother was uh, the organist at a a tiny country church. And um, so there was an organ in her living room and family gatherings. A lot of times as the evening wore on, somebody would be... You know, I learned music and dancing at the same time because you'd have to dance with your aunt or your mom or your grandmother or somebody. So usually to something like Winchester Cathedral or something. So how about the guitar? Yeah, teenage uh, thing. My parents got me a guitar for Christmas, saying that I'd asked for it. I don't remember ever asking for a guitar or even having that much interest. But I got a little acoustic guitar. You want to hear the electric guitar story? Of course. All right. My friend John Bell, schoolmate, had an older brother, high school dropout, Alan Bell. And he knew how to play the guitar. And he was sharing this. There was two bars in our little town of Sherman, New York. And he was sharing this very nasty flop room upstairs of this bar. So he said he had an electric guitar he would sell me, and an amp. So he said, how much money do you have? And I said, well, $8 I think I have. And he said, well, that's not near enough. So I said, well, let me see what I can get together. So I had uh, $8, $8, $1 bills and $7 in rolled up pennies. And I put those in the pockets of my cardigan sweater, and I walked down to this bar at the age of probably 14, and uh, and up the stairs, walked in the front door of the bar, and uh, up the stairs, and got this Stella electric guitar and a Gretsch amplifier. The Gretsch amplifier now would probably be about $2,500 or so. It was this little thing, but uh, that got all torn up. But And he had an old set of earphones, just one side of it, wired to a quarter-inch plug that, do you know this? That you could plug into the input of the guitar amp, hold that over your mouth, and that speaker became a microphone. Ah. So with a camera strap wrapped around my head <laughs> and looking like a World War II pilot's gas mask or something, I could play and sing through the same amplifier. Wow. So I carted it home and stuck it in the window and 
I just learned D to D sus. I played that over and over to, towards your girl's house next door. All for $15. $15. Seven in rolled up pennies. Seven in rolled coins. <laughs> Somebody just recently sent me a newspaper clipping of an ad where we were playing, and there is 16-year-old me with a Fender Mustang standing behind a couple gals next to the drummer and uh, playing in a, it was a pizza place is what it amounted to. And they served draft beer and had pinball machines. And before I played there, though, I did play, I did learn enough chords to play guitar with the youth group in church. And they were doing songs from uh, a 60s musical called Godspell, or maybe it was early 70s. But it was like, you guys are too young to know anything about that unless you go into the history books but it was uh, it was like a, it yeah. was like a hippie yeah. um, predecessor to Jesus Christ Superstar yeah. So. yeah wow have you were you a guitarist full time right out of the gate or did that uh, come let's see I played in in Friday Saturday bands like I'd play a basketball game and then I'd already have my guitar and amp in the car and I would take off these guys from another town called me and hired me, which to me was this, it, by that point, by the time I was senior in high school, I'd had a band all that time and we would rehearse at my mom's house and just make this thunderous, I don't know how she did it, frankly, right. but she said she can't hear it to this day, hear an Eagles song without being transported back to, you know, 1977 or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, so and, not and a garage band, but a house band. It was. We didn't have a garage. Yeah. yeah. So you were in the house. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. At that point, I was I was playing in uh, VFWs and moose clubs and local bars and weddings and stuff. I think around 1980, I was in a band from Erie, Pennsylvania, and we started traveling, like playing four, five, six, seven nights a week. The honky-tonk thing, you know, the urban cowboy thing had happened. Yeah, yeah. So so country bands in bars was a big thing. And we were we were on the road doing it. And, and you'd end up with just enough money at the end of the week, not to send any home, but to hopefully get to the next place that you were going to play. And I can't tell you how many gigs I played without having one extra guitar string. <laughs> Or how many gigs I ended up playing the night with playing four or five string guitar. Right. Yeah. So no extra anything, no extra chords. Or my guitar cases got stolen at one of those places. So I ended up carrying a Gibson. I had a Gibson double neck of all things, wrapped up in a afghan like a some quilt thing, you know. And then the whole thing put in a, a very cheap suit hanging suit bag and that would set up on top of the other equipment and and those guitars are not hard to break mm-hmm. how that guitar never broke god only knows but so what was the step to because you've toured nationally internationally with yeah. national uh, artists i was, was living in, living in cincinnati and uh, i knew a couple guys in nashville that and one of them had an audition with uh, pam tillis and she was an up-and-coming star at that point. And so I said, man, can you, can you get me an audition too? And thinking, you know, there's 
there's no way. And he said, yeah, probably not. So he called me back and said, man, they are looking for a guitar player. They've got half a dozen people, but, but they'll listen to you. So I said, cool. So they sent me a cassette tape of her record and said, learn songs, you know, one, three, and five or whatever. So I'd never done that. I didn't know how to read charts or write charts other than G, C, and D or something. I didn't know how the chart system worked. And But I drove down there with a Telecaster and an Echoplex. Which is? A tape echo uh, that's actually got a tape in it instead of like a digital delay or a analog delay or whatever. I was going to use a, somebody's amp down there. Turns out the guy that auditioned before me had his own stereo setup with just this <laughs> this whole acreage of pedals and cables and extra guitars in different tunings on stands beside him. He just looked like a master. I thought, holy smokes, what have I done? Well, we're going to go out and eat tonight, and I'll, you know, or whatever, and I'll have a good time. So... Uh, so I went in and got this amp out of the corner. It was at a SIR. You know what those are. Uh, SIR is Studio Instrument Rentals. And they have cartage facility and rehearsal facilities. There's, there's some in L.A., maybe not in Denver, but New York, Chicago, Nashville. So it was there. So one of their rental amps, they just wheeled out. It was one of those twin <laughs> reverbs with the red knobs okay. that I'd never... I didn't know how to work. Her husband came over and we're messing around with it trying to get sound out of it oh yeah there's okay turn it up like that so i didn't have any pedals mm. i just plugged into the tape echo into the twin reverb and i just and i'm not i've never been really uh, some guys are these have this incredible ability to to copy just what is on the record and do it quickly and get the sound you know and they're just they just, I'm befuddled by that because I'm not, I never learned how to play that way. So I'm not that kind of guitar player. So I just played it the best I could. And uh, and I learned, I knew the harmony parts. And um, so they hired me right that night. Wow. Uh, that was it. So the guy with the wall of equipment didn't get the game. <laughs> He didn't. Lesson. Turns out he's written books on the number system, <laughs> okay. and he's a he's a you know he's, he's certainly a fine guitar player. I didn't know enough to not get the job, I guess. So wow. didn't know what I didn't know. <laughs> how, how long were you with Pam Tillis? First couple of years, I think, and then that. Uh, I, I I don't know why I quit that, but I did. And uh, but I was living in Nashville. Had been for that after that, of course, and um, and just went on from there. I was fortunate to. The '90s were a busy time for for live music, and and I was fortunate to to work with really great artists for through that whole time. Who are some of your favorites or favorite oh, memories? Let's, of, let's yeah, say, I mean not favorite artists, but yeah. Uh, Pam was is a stellar artist, and so she was very encouraging and and, and open-minded about uh, music in in general. She was just a she was an influence, really. She was um, she was great, is great. 
somehow I ended up with a, a lot of songwriters. So a guy named Kevin Welch is a, a world-class songwriter. I think he's now living in, in Australia, but I've, I've worked with him a lot. We wrote a lot of songs together. Um, Marcus Humman is, a, is just a world-class songwriter again. A guy named Mike Henderson, I've worked a lot with him. Um, other country bands too. I worked with a legend named Vern Gosden for a year. Uh, I used to be crazy, or what's that tune? I'm still crazy. Uh, I'm still crazy, but I'm not over you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, he, and he was kind of crazy, actually, as it turned out. The same. Well, silly. But you learn, you know, from these people who are. I don't know. It's like anything. Those those people that are legends for what they just have done, what they sang, or or um, or what they acted in a movie, or something. But we're all just. This probably goes in a way that it shouldn't go. But we're all just uh, people. So this this famous guy, this whether it's Vern or whoever, his opinion about something else is not more valid than mine is about the same thing or yours is so or any actor or actress I mean this guy's getting paid to sing this person's getting paid to play a part in a movie I'm getting paid to play the guitar and probably not talk as much as I'm talking right now so anyway lucky blessed to to have worked that long and I uh, was in a band called Highway 101 for a long time. Um, great memories of that. And great people in that. And, so, and now the, the people that I play with, uh, Winona and the Big Noise, that's a, that's a, a blessing uh, all unto itself. So it's, we've had a great time playing together, although it's been a year. Right. I think uh, last January and February, we had a, uh, a West Coast tour, and um, Bob Weir from Grateful Dead made an appearance on our most recent recording. And, uh, and so he was going to play. We were booked at the Fillmore in San Francisco, and he played with us. And that's like, a, you know, I was not like a huge, I'm a bigger fan of their music now than I was ever growing up. So to stand, he, he and I stood right next to each other and played the whole night together. And we we played some of the Grateful Dead songs. So, you know, like... Drugging, got my chips cashed in, keep drugging. So start playing that song, and here's this guy standing right next to you, and you've got your ears, your in-ear monitors in, and he steps up to the microphone and start singing that, and inside your head is is this guy that's been singing this song for 50 years, and you're going to sing it with him. It's a that was a treat or a trip, as it was. <laughs> uh, but so after that little West Coast run was done, we had one more gig, I think March 2nd, in New Orleans, and that was it. So we did a few things during the course of 2020, like. Uh, taped television, you know, in studio, in Cactus's studio, actually. Some pay-per-view concert things, and 
I think there's a, we did a PBS thing that's coming out, uh, a PBS special um, that's coming out next, uh, sometime this, this summer maybe. Okay. So. The vibe is currently that maybe things will start up again. I mean, hate we'll to, see. I hate to jinx it, but, right. but yeah, that's the, uh, that's the, at this point it's, I hear contracts are signed, so it's no longer just an idle threat. Okay. It's yeah. uh, We need live music. We miss live music. Yeah. We, um, our hearts will, will heal faster. I think so, too, yeah. Yeah. Um, and people have all this money that they've saved up now to go to. Oh, maybe that's not the case. But, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Um, certainly pent up energy. Right. Yes, yeah, yes. So. Sure. You've been on a lot of buses over the years. What's right. I'm, I'm kind of asking a two-part. Okay. What's the best part of it? I mean, being out there on these big stages, but also what's the maybe surprising artist part? Of it? Well, you play in uh, this town tonight, and you play, obviously, in the next town tomorrow night. But it's not the next town. It's seven, eight, ten hours away, whatever. And it takes practice to get used to sleeping on the bus and to get used to sleeping on the bus again because you don't get there and just say, oh, now I'm here, I'm going to take a couple days and relax and get ready to play. You know, you're, you've got sound check in, in four hours and you're trusting your life to the person behind the steering wheel. That's, um, if you think about that very long while you're trying to go to sleep, then every bump you start thinking it's like i've fallen asleep because <laughs> he i think he's not off or if they hit a rumble strip you know um even even the most seasoned sleeper on the road kind of freaks out when when you hear especially if there's a little jerk in the steering wheel afterwards it's, uh, then it's hard to go back to sleep so sleeping is is a hard thing and and eating you know at midnight, it's not ideal by by any medical standards, I'm sure. <laughs> by any health and nutrition standards. Right, standard. exactly. Um, so those kind of things are, are hard. It's fantastic going to different places. There's not, people always say, what's your favorite place you've been? Every every state, I've played more than once every state. You know, there's there's always somebody interesting there. There's always a potential for you know, somebody that you don't want to talk to. But um, you're kind of like on a permanent sightseeing thing when you're doing that, if you're in the right mind. If you I'm fortunate to be, you know, we're treated pretty well. So in certain circumstances in the past, you know, you you pull in and you, you don't have sleep, you don't have good food, you, you don't have a good venue to play, you don't have good crowds, all that stuff. Then it's... Then it's really a job. But this, uh, you know, with this group, that's not yeah. that's not the case uh, so much. We have really, she's got great fans, and there's fans of the band on its own. We've we put out our own record, uh, or are putting out our own record. I guess is closer to the truth. Um, a lot of times we'll play a opening set, just the band. Instead of having an opening act. Oh, cool! Yeah, it's, we did that a lot last year. Because this band is year got, before last. This band has got its own. Yeah, uh, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know how to describe it, but it's uh, of massive influences of of each of the four of us. Or, nice. 
whatever. So it's what's a uh, you mentioned one I think you might that might come to mind, but a gig over the recent or way in the past that you'll never forget, a memorable gig. Well, the Fillmore with Bob Weir is certainly uh, certainly one. That's uh, recently there was I mentioned the music and or the spectacle part. Well, sometimes I'm as it turns out the spectacle part. So I've fallen on stage uh, more than once, actually. Yeah, I hate to say that. <laughs> and both times were uh, I fell. Oh, I can't think of the venue theater in Kansas City. It's a famous venue, great venue. Uh, I remember Tanya Tucker was over there in the wings and watching, and Winona was standing in the middle, and I was running around. And there were these Christmas lights that were strung across the floor. And as I ran to come back, unfortunately, this is I. This may be on YouTube. There's certainly video of it. I took a dive, yeah. <laughs> and I'm playing. Okay? I'm playing a, a 52 Martin D18, uh, which in the in the playback you can see because Winona has a slow motion version of it, which is <laughs> even even more entertaining. Which I have caught her giggling at, just replaying over and over. So I guess I somehow, as I went diving forward, slung the guitar behind my back, but that also left me with very little to break my fall. I, she almost broke my fall. I almost crashed into her like a linebacker. So I ended up with my face. She said I, I tapped her foot like that. Yeah, so I jumped up, threw my hands up in the air, and the crowd roared. But it was, uh, it was painful physically, emotionally. Um, yeah. yeah. Did you play on? Played on. Played on. Speaking of Martins, you're holding one. Yes. Tell, tell us about this instrument. Okay, this is a 1933 Martin 017, which is a sweet little guitar. And uh, this particular one uh, is a one family owned guitar and the people that owned it, the kids I'm guessing, at some point uh, took it on themselves to personalize it with their names. So Vito, Vito signed it in 1947. Tony signed it apparently in 1967. Frank also signed it, but they didn't like Frank because they've scratched out his name. Um, so, yeah. So you got a hold of this. You, you're uh, getting this back into shape. I mean, you're going to keep all of, all of this All of that stuff, yeah. So in working on these guitars, uh, if somebody owned this guitar and brought it to me, and said, will you fix all that? Mm -hmm. I would do it, but only under protest. I would strongly recommend to them that they not fix that just because it's part of the guitar, part of its history, and part of its value. So if you're refinishing a, a vintage instrument, you're, you're taking away from its value usually, generally speaking. If they insisted, then sure, this could be, this could be all you know, made to go away and, and look like a shiny topped guitar. But Would you play something for us? Sure. I don't know exactly. 
Let it rain, let it pour, let it rain a whole lot more Cause I got them deep river blues Let me down one more time I can see the sun shine Cause I got them deep river blues Now my old gal, she's a good old pal But she clucks around like a waterfowl When I them deep river blues Ain't no one to cry for me The fish all go out on a spring When I get them deep river blues How about that? Thank you, Charlie. Yeah, so... <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's uh, that's uh, the deep river blues. I learned that uh, seeing Doc Watson, folk legend Doc Watson, play that. I'm not sure when that song was made, but it was probably sometime around when this guitar was made. Yeah. Um, so you talked a little bit about songwriting earlier. Tell me a little bit more about that. Marcus Humman, I was writing songs in Nashville, and Marcus had, had already had success as a songwriter, a lot of success. And so he got his publisher to come hear me play in a, pizza place in Nashville a couple times because he knew I was hoping to get a publishing deal which at that time publishing deals were a lucrative mildly to, to very lucrative way of, of making a living in Nashville and you'd just go around and write songs with people I was on the road anyway so the publisher thought I might be a good risk so they they eventually signed me to a, a, a publishing deal I thought, holy mackerel, somebody's going to pay me that much money to turn in one song, well, two co-written songs a month is what it amounted to. Mm-hmm. Nothing else in my life had to change. I was still a guitar player, still played sessions, still on the road. And so I thought I was the, kind of the cat that ate the canary at that point. Mm-hmm. That lasted a few years, and and, uh, and that was a great experience. I wrote with some great, great songwriters. Can I ask, when you get to a songwriting appointment or session, what's yeah. that like? I mean, you're so down. we just come in, if it's somebody you just met, you sit in a room, a cubicle of a room maybe, or a lot more likely uh, with certain writers especially, they didn't go in the little buildings, they would go in their own living room or wherever. And you just sit down and talk and... Uh, um, Hopefully somebody's got a, a germ of an idea, a song title, a phrase, a, a guitar lick, something to base. And, you know, maybe something that you was in the back of your mind, you've started in a conversation telling somebody about something, and they're responding with something. Very seldom does it, the romantic notion of it, like uh, I'm going to write a song, a love song, or a heartbreak song and I know the beginning the middle and the end and it's going to tell this one story if you're if you're writing it by yourself maybe that that eventually happens but co-writing circumstances are different than that because you're going to get input from somebody else and and the way that works best I think for me anyway is is you try and keep an open mind so the story that you had in mind is going to change because it's, it's not written in that person's mind. 
So they're going to throw out some, hey, what if this happened? And you go, that's stupid. That didn't happen. <laughs> or if you're smart, you go, ooh, that could happen. <laughs> and that makes it more interesting. And my little silly notion of this song just took on another aspect. And then, and then that might make you think of something. And uh, so you just go back and forth like that. And hopefully the, the, the net result is, is a, of broader appeal. If you're writing songs for a publisher, you're generally trying to, to write songs with a broad appeal. They don't, there's not very much of it now because, because there's not, it's just not as much of a business as it used to be, unfortunately. Weren't you just telling the story today on the way here? Oh, yeah. Uh, Jackson came up on Spotify, and so I looked it up because Harry asked, is that Jackson, Tennessee, or Jackson, Mississippi? And Wikipedia said the writer didn't have one in mind. Ah. A lot of people do think probably Tennessee. I think, I, we I think yeah. so, yeah. yeah. And uh, But he also said he co-wrote it. I forget his name, but he co-wrote it with Lieber, Lieber and Stoller. And Lieber told him, originally he had, we got married in a fever was the yeah. third verse. Oh. And Lieber said, your verses suck. Move that to the beginning. And I'll said, be darned. He said, well, I can't. That'd be like, you know, giving away the uh, big the big ending. Yeah, right. He said, do that. Yeah. Oh, good good advice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We'd kind of like to get your sense of, so th- there's talk of things picking back up now. Right. Starting back up. Yeah, what's it what's it look like in the future? What's country music look like in the future? That's the crystal ball kind yeah. of question. So I don't know. I'm so far removed from the country part of it, yeah. even though even though my you know, Winona's you know, that's that's as country as it gets. But that's very little of of what we do now. So and very little of where we try to aim that. So we're not trying to get any country radio station to play anything or anything like that. So it's it's just as widespread as as it could be. Uh, the new record has her and Cactus playing some acoustic stuff together with no band at all. They did a Bonnie Raitt after John Prine died. That's what it was. They did. Uh, Make me an angel flies from Montgomery. Just kind of the two of them, not off the cuff, but almost, uh, almost unplanned, and it sounded good. And they just kept that. And, uh, we also did a, a Nina Simone song, that feeling good song. Uh, that was fun to play. So very, very uh, the Grateful Dead song. We did that. Yeah. We've got a bunch of songs of original new songs that are that are in process of being recorded. Um, some are about done, some are still in the works, but the, and, and that range is very there's a real Celtic-y sound and acoustic thing. There's uh, there's just just whatever the song leads it to be and and we end up with the sound of. Is, is what we go with. So talk about this last year, um, everybody went on camera. Right, yeah. Um, versus the live. 
So we've had a little bit over a year of that now. Mm-hmm. Talk about the difference. I know that would, personally, I'm a heart-to-heart person, so that would break my heart right. to not have that feedback right. and that interaction. Yeah. What's that been like? Two things about it for me has been missing that, but it's also like having a a business that just dried up. So it's my it's not just the emotional part of it for me. It's a it's my job. So as of March after March second, there was no job really, other than a couple little. Uh, as you mentioned, filmed things. But there's so that's really substantial. Heavy. That's a really big deal and, and it's and it's far reaching and it'll have long lasting effects. I'm fortunate again to be like to to have the guitar repair business, but you know, being a guitar player is what my job was, so it's a you know the dollars and cents part of it is equal to the emotional part of it for sure sure matt just recently said he didn't realize that he probably needs to step through that grief of Mm. uh, a piece of it he said was well yeah i did i do think uh i need to look at my identity yeah right yeah Yeah. absolutely that's a good point and and there's i don't know i saw hear different things but like 94 percent of of the music industry is unemployed or has been unemployed for this past year so you have something else that you do well um not like it's a fallback on thing it's part of your life also absolutely so and that's how the guitar repair thing is for me um yeah people from all over get their guitars to you that's yes. that's I'm I'm I don't know why that is honestly, <laughs> but yes, that that does happen. So so there's a lot of people that don't that didn't have that. There's people in my own circle of 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 friends and stuff that that don't have that same circumstance. So they have you know people have unemployment or people have and that in itself is a. I mean that's got an emotional attachment to it, and and a difficult. Uh, I don't know too many people that wouldn't rather be working. Hopefully, we're going to work towards that. Yes. Right. Yeah. If you could jam with anybody oh. tonight, <laughs> who would it be? Yeah. So, so that's that's a good question. You. <laughs> well, <laughs> absolutely. Same here. Uh, um. I'm sure everybody that listens to this already knows that you're the best piano player this side of the big river, <laughs> but uh, but if they don't, they should. Um, but that's actually a good answer, whoever you're around. Well, there there is there is something about that. Yeah, it's not just oh my gosh, this person has you know <laughs> shredder licks and yeah. and I got to be with that person. It's not. As, as a as a player you kind of know that usually or a player of let's say a player of age yeah. <laughs> um, I, like I, that. I uh, there's little things like um, like that thing playing with Bob Weir or playing with uh, playing with the people that I play with regularly you know to stand next to that gal that sings 
that song is that's a that's an amazing thing um, that I still am very thankful to to have. But people to play with, I would like to be able to set up and play with uh, Levon Helm and the guys from the band Rick Danko, Garth Hudson, Richard Manuel, just just that that group. Uh, I have friends that have done that. Um, I would like to. Oh, set up and play, uh, sit in on a few songs with uh, Lowell George and Little Feet. I have friends that have done I played with, uh, I mentioned Kevin Welch earlier in the 96, let's say. We, we toured with Bob Seeger and opened a whole bunch of shows with him for him. Well, his piano player at that time was Billy Payne. So I had to miss a gig because of some uh, something else so Billy just kind of filled in with and, and well Billy played every night the rest of the tour with us and nice and so that's like one of my uh, vivid memories was me playing some simple fill I have no idea what it was or what song it was in and I heard this blood curdling yeah <laughs> from across the stage and it was Billy uh, so, uh, you know, to play with the rest of Little Feet, that would have been that would have been fun. Uh, lots of stuff like that, you know, you know, Buck Owens or somebody like that. Just playing some of those songs with some of those artists, rather than just uh, I can't think of a just a jam situation that would be more more up my alley than one of those things. So you've been fortunate to play with. With bands and lead singers mm-hmm. um, who really value the band. Yeah, we that's know true. That can go in both. Yeah, that's true. That's a great point. Yeah. There are. Uh, I mentioned earlier about not being the 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 student of the guitar that learned um, that lick off the record and can play that that way every night with that same sound consistently. I know a bunch of those guys, and I'm not that guy. And there are there are definitely people that have been sidemen for big artists that are not appreciated. And I haven't really been in that circumstance, thankfully. Uh, I've worked with really people that I was close to or, or grew close to. Um, so yeah, that's a that's a great point. Thanks. It's a gift, right? Yeah. yeah. What do you feel most grateful for in your life? Oh, the hand of God. Uh, I'm I'm grateful for for the opportunities, of course, that I've had to play, the people I've had to play with. I'm grateful uh, for the family that I've had in my life. Um, fantastic kids. Uh, you know, so much to be grateful for. To to leave to to single anything out is to leave so many other things behind. But but it would be that kind of stuff. Yeah. What's one of your happiest memories? Those enchiladas that we just had. <laughs> Those were so good enchiladas. What's that place? La Playitas. Local business shout out. Right? All right. Yeah. We have a time machine right here. Oh boy. 
I can press a button. You can go back in time, have lunch with anyone in history. Can I go forward? Go forward. Who would it be and why? Oh, Marcy, I am. I mean, the things that come to mind immediately are are biblical, like Moses or or something like that. You know, uh, it'd be fun to have lunch with Winston Churchill, uh, W. C. Fields. Um, who, curiously enough, they remind me of each other. So uh, I don't know what that is. Uh, um, those are those are two off the top of my head that, that would, uh, or three off the top of my head. We have one question we ask everybody, and uh, the name of the podcast is Just Over the Fence. Mm-hmm. And we ask everybody, what is something you would like to throw out? Just over the fence to anyone listening, a piece of wisdom or just an idea, something you wish everybody knew. A lesson learned. The grass is not always greener. Why does that come to mind? Because I've searched many times. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The grass is not always greener. Yeah. It is true. You know, um, as we've done this, the the ones that linger on or go on uh, for centuries really have it all. They hold it all. The yeah. wisdom, right? Oh, yeah, right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's not... Uh, I mean, I was being a little bit kind of silly, snarky there, but but it's uh, it's true. Charlie, would you... Could you play anything else for us? Play us out. Somebody asked me uh, what my favorite song was, and I've never been able to answer that, but if... Uh, but it would be some kind of spiritual version, you know, something. This was just a treat to see you. It's a blast. Okay, that was that was fun. I want to go, and Bree just said she wants to go to a Charlie White concert. Right. I mean, wow. I'll put a picture up on the website. Um, before we got started, Charlie was giving Bree some guitar lessons. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Bree was just... Totally in the zone. Mm-hmm. You'll see that in the picture, but uh, yeah, incredible gift to get a half hour power lesson right. from one of the best, right. one of the greats. Thank you, Charlie. Yeah. Incredible person too. Oh my gosh. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's genuine. He's authentic. He's, well, I'd like to say we don't hang out with people who aren't those things, right? We might hang out with them once, <laughs> but that would probably be it. You know, know, uh, Charlie is a part of this group of national musicians that I've been fortunate to get to know who play with, who are really open and welcoming prior to this group, 
I think my experiences with people who worked at a national level, it was much more exclusive. Mm, yeah. Like, you know, you don't belong here. Charlie and, and these guys working on this TV show, that, that, was, that was just never the feel. And uh, that really changed things for me. Yeah. They're so. truly friends. Well, you know, Hazel and that, that crew was the beginning of that, actually. Yeah. Well, I thought it was normal. Right. Uh, when we met Hazel and band, but yeah, um, yeah it turns out it's not. Yeah. But we've been blessed. I've been blessed as the in the green room mm-hmm. to come alongside you with um, incredibly genuine, kind, authentic, talented, mm-hmm. and gifted yeah. um, musical people. Yeah. And what would you say, uh, Charlie's? We always give an artistic bent to our guests. So definitely the gift of music, but more specific than that, what would you? Yeah. Well, I'll say one thing that struck me. Uh, I had not heard him sing like that. When he sang Deep River Blues, I was like, yeah, you know what? Holy crap, right? More, more of that too. More of that. He's a brilliant guitarist, but um, that voice. Yeah. That's soulful. Yeah. So, oh, excuse me. <laughs> um, yeah. And that inclusivity that I'm talking about, yeah. like, hey, welcome in. Yeah. You know, and that's, uh, uh, that's special. Yeah. A lot of our friends have the, the gift of the art of hospitality. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this is another one. And we have somebody coming up next month. Whoa, Nelly. Whew, that embodies that as well. Mimi Wilson. Mimi Wilson, who we could go on and on about, but how would you describe her in just a few sentences? Yeah, wow. She is taught. Um, she's an author. She's missionary. a teacher. Missionary. Raised her children in the mission field like her mother did. Yeah. And grandmother did. And through that has some incredible stories to tell. Yeah. 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 Next month here, just over the fence. So people hang in there together. Thank you for listening. Mm. And if you love this podcast, we invite you to tell a friend about it. Tell, tell friend. one friend. We, we appreciate that. Mm. You ready to roll? <laughs> I think we better get out that paper atlas and hit the road. <laughs> We're going to argue some more. <laughs> okay. All Thanks right. everybody. Make it a great month. Just over the fence. <laughs>